Hey, this is Eugene Rapkin, and you're listening to the Style Zeitgeist Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Eugene here. Again, I'm back with my uh, friend, Philippe Hashemi, a fashion journalist and a critic and a consultant and a mentor and uh, one of the few voices who uh, genuinely can uh, critique fashion these days. You know, critique does not mean criticize. Um and uh, we're here again, as our tradition is, to recap the Fashion Month, you know, not just Paris Fashion Week, because we have some other interesting things going on. Uh, welcome back, Philippe. Hi, Eugene. Very happy to be here. And thanks for having me once more to talk about this very interesting Fashion Month, as you yeah. refer to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well... Uh, so the big difference this time is that you were in Paris actually physically present, right? Yes, I, I did Paris. I decided uh, it was time to go back. I decided I wanted to attend a few shows. Not that many because, you know, I felt like I had to get back into the rhythm of things and get used to being around people again because it can be a little bit overwhelming. But eventually I, I decided to go back. I didn't go for the for the whole fashion week, but I came back and I felt more tired than I normally do. So that was quite <laughs> that was quite revealing perhaps of you know the state of of fashion right now. Yeah. Yeah. I what did you think of the season overall? It was very strange because if you well, if you consider Milan and Paris to be the most important fashion capitals, you know, um, the message from Milan was very, very sort of uniform. And it was kind of like tacky, sex is back, Y2K, uh, logo fever, like really vulgar. You know, I had the yeah. feeling that uh, Showgirls was probably on the mood board of every single designer. <laughs> And uh, it was very Euro trash. I mean, a lot yeah. of things I saw were quite shocking that way. And uh, Paris, of course, was more subdued, um, but not a lot of intelligent fashion mm. and not a lot of collections that were not nostalgic. I was very, very struck by how nostalgic uh, the shows were and how people were all looking backwards instead of embracing the future that was quite interesting for me to uh to understand that yeah do you think is it uh because by and large do you feel like fashion has run out of ideas or these big houses well i think you know in order to develop your ideas and in order to be creative you need time i mean not everybody can produce amazing ideas constantly so there is this kind of pressure to always produce to always come up with something new and um, i don't know i don't know if sometimes you know people are running out of ideas or the consumer has different expectations now and uh, with social media as well it's more about having the loudest voice in the room you know making yourself heard uh, which is why now we see all these stupid 
collaborations between houses, which are ridiculous. I mean, it's coming to a point now where I'm really thinking like if identity even exists for these fashion brands. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, but it's a bizarre time. It's a very strange time because mm. we still don't know where this is all going. Actually, we have yeah. no idea. Yeah. Well, let's get into that, right? Fendace. <laughs> And that shit, oh my God. <laughs> I don't, I even feel embarrassed just pronouncing that. It, 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 that's how dumb, I, I, it makes me feel dumb. It really makes me feel like, you know, that character in Showgirls where she says it's from Versailles. Like that's the level yeah, of- yeah, That's the, exactly what it is. Yeah. That's where like my, that's where my brain descends to. I mean, I have to tell you, honestly, it's still- completely surreal to me. I just cannot believe it even exists. It's so bad. And it's so, it's just so, it's, it's in a way, it's just so kind of wrong that, you know, you would really, it's, it's almost like a nightmare vision of what fashion could become, but it's real. And you're sort of like looking at it and you don't know if you should cry or if you should laugh, you know, and it's really sort of, I still look at this collection now and I'm just wondering like, what, what is this? You know, what, what is this all about? I, I, I cannot come to terms with what it means. I just well, cannot come to terms with it. I think, well, what it means to me is that we're in the midst of the attention economy, right? Where attention has become the most precious commodity. So it's become, you know, you drive sales by being at the center of people's attention. So fashion design no longer matters. What matters are, you know, media exposure, Instagram clicks, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to do that, I feel like, all the time. Mm -hmm. I was speaking to another person about it um, on another podcast, not mine. Uh, and, you know, she asked me, like, like, why does Rihanna need, you know, like another collaboration or another fashion line or another whatever like you know she's so rich and i said like it's really not about that anymore it's really mm. about being constantly at the forefront of people's minds you know yeah. and, and i think it's the same thing it really is about because we're you know everyone has attention deficit disorder like i feel like you they feel like they have to constantly be at the forefront of people's minds, which is, you know, their mind, we know where that is. It's on Instagram now, right? It's all about that. So to me, that was all about that. And what I, well, one thing I found hilarious that Kim Jones like went to great pains to explain to Vogue that just so we remember, you know, we're not from the same conglomerate. <laughs> you know, obviously taking a dig at, Balenciaga Gucci yeah. collab, whatever you call it. And I was like, so that makes it better somehow? I mean, the funny thing is that if you if you look at the actual collection, it's all about Versace. You could hardly yeah. detect any Fendi in it because, you know, what's the Fendi woman's wear identity anyway? I mean, yeah. you, would re you would really struggle trying to define what it is. So it was all about Donatella, all yeah. about Versace. 
and you know if if you're gonna shove logos again uh on everything together like let's just go for it you know why don't we get like saint Celine and maya gratia maro and all these new lines you know to come forward because at this point it really doesn't matter anymore you know what yeah Yeah. the way people decide to work together because it's all product it's all the same you could pick the same thing from versace that you find in fendace Mm -hmm. uh so you know at this point i'm just thinking yeah you you are right it's about communication but but where's the actual identity? And I, and I feel that the more collaborations we see, the less identity those brands actually have, you know? And that's yeah. quite worrying because I'm wondering if just we're not going to end up with, you know, one washing powder for everyone kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. just, you know, yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. Just shove a logo on it and you're exactly. done, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's how. It's, it's, it's especially, pre- like, you're totally right now that you said it. Fancy is a total crossroads because there, since fur has been canceled, their identity has been erased. Like that fancy was fur. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So totally. now they have to create a new identity. Uh, you know, they they shoved Kim Jones in there because they're gunning for the same young high beast clientele as everyone else seems to be gunning for. And, you know, uh, Kim Jones is not a very talented designer, you know, and to add that to his Dior duties, plus doing women's, which he's not good at at all. Uh, I question, yeah, I do question that decision. Like he is no Lagerfeld, you know, let's face it. But I was thinking about that. I was wondering, you know, if he feels like he wants to be at the center of attention or if he's being pushed to be this way. I don't know because, you know, it could also be... Oh, I, I think he wants it. I really think. Okay. I mean, the, yeah, the ego there is just like an ego of anyone who perhaps deeps down knows they're pretty mediocre designers, you know, like Virgil and Eddie Sliman and a slew of others. I feel like the more they deep down know it, the more their narcissism drives them mm-hmm. to the top of the world, which yeah. is where Kim Jones is right now. You know, he works for the mo- he designs for the most influential brand in the world. Plus this, and yeah, I am curious where he is going to take it, because honestly, yeah, what is like what does Fendi mean in twenty twenty one? Not much, That's, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, besides like a double F logo, uh, I mean, all the things actually that Sylvia Fendi created herself, like the baguette and all these things, they are still relevant and they're still selling. So mm-hmm. she's the one who brought the most. And, you know, funnily, uh, it's a woman who did all that job. It's not him. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, if you, you would really struggle finding Kim Jones signatures anywhere. You know, if I ask you, okay, what's a Kim Jones signature for Fendi, you would have no idea. You know? Yeah, but I, yeah, exactly. Well, he's never designed women's, right? And and his yeah. own his own signature, you know, had a place when he started, you know, mixing like sports wear with formal, putting it on the runway. But it's been so water down and it's like in the water supply now it's been permeated everywhere that now i feel like there is no signature it's it's kind of become 
Yeah, like I, I, I don't know what it is. And so, of course, they have to resort to these gimmicks. And just to dress it all up. Yeah, completely, yeah. completely. Because as I said before, there's there's a problem with Fendi Fendi's identity as a brand, you know, and there are other brands in Milan that seem to go through a very similar type of crisis. I mean, if you look at Missoni, what was going on there? It was yeah. so so brash and so sexual and so um so also so vulgar for a brand mm-hmm. that used to be more, you know, bohemian and intellectual mm-hmm. and, and romantic. Same for Blue Marine, you know, same for um, for Prada, because I really have the feeling that Prada was like fake Helmut Lang, you know, and that Mucha yeah. Prada has officially left the building. I mean, wh- wh- where was she in that collection? Yeah. I just didn't see her anywhere. Gone. Yeah. Yeah, gone. Yeah. But I think they all got the same trend books, right? And the trend books say, okay, sexy, sexy, you got to show skin, which was, that's mm-hmm. what we saw, right? I mean, that's what I see on the street in New York. I mean, there is so much skin, uh, you know, that it's like, it's everywhere, you know, everywhere. Like the summer was the summer of skin. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean... Yeah, and so th- these are the trend books that everyone has, and that's what everyone went for, with or without regard of whether it actually suits their identity as a brand. Yeah, and right. also it's very strange in the times that we're in that designers would come up with such a sexually charged and kind of vulgar vision of women because you know we are still in post me too uh you know times and this idea of feminism as well if you look at some of the collections in milan it's it's very um very retrograde it's very sort of conservative and it's a way to look at women which is highly fetishized so i don't know what what the appeal is, to be honest, it really feels like going backwards, you know, in, yeah. in a way. Yeah, I agree that it was really, really retrograde. And I feel like it was meant to be fun to go back mm-hmm. to this sort of early 90s frivolity. Uh, but it wasn't fun. <laughs> it's like you say, it was just, it just was tacky. And to me, actually, the prime offender, like over all the Italians, which like, okay, you know, in Italy, that isn't the water supply, right? Like they never really grew out of that. Let's face it. But mm-hmm. to me, like the most offensive was Chanel. Okay. What? And tell me why then. For the same reason, you know, it, it really was tacky mm-hmm. and kind of vulgar. And Chanel is not known for that. Well, the funny thing is that, you know, when she tries to do it, uh, it sort of falls flat because there's no perversion and there's no wit and there's no irony. But if you think about what Karl Lagerfeld did in the 90s with Chanel, um, it was actually quite irreverent, but it was also smart. Like he was Mm -hmm. kind of making fun of the heritage and he was sort of, you know, uh, pairing elements together that should never have been together. 
Yeah. But at the same time, he had a sense of irony and he had a sense of sarcasm, which I don't think she has. And that no. show uh, to me, that Chanel show felt felt very vacant, very empty. And, mm-hmm. and quite, exactly. Quite, you know, quite sad in a way because it's sort of like looking backwards, but you don't have the girls that you used to have. You don't have the personalities mm-hmm. you used to have. So it's, it's almost like a pastiche. But it's it's not in very good taste. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's not. And I, and I'm no. all for for reinterpreting uh, the decades, decades. But the key word here is reinterpreting. And I yeah. didn't see that. It, it was really like a copy paste job that left you asking no questions. But it was a bit the same at Saint Laurent because when I first. So the show, I immediately thought of Paloma Picasso, you know, and Paloma mm-hmm. Picasso is somebody that I really love as a as an icon. And I was going through the silhouettes of the actual show and they were like just copies of photographs of the things yeah. that she wore. So it's it's completely, you know, plucked out from the past, brought on, on the runway. And it's not even change. It's just a direct quotation from mm-hmm. her own style. And, you know, I saw a lot of that this season, just like I saw a lot of people copying Helmut Lang. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, from from Shanxia to Stella McCartney, I mean, like bizarre brands just copying, copying mm-hmm. Helmut as well. And also at Prada, I had a very mm-hmm. strong feeling that Raf was, again, boring from Helmut mm-hmm. and boring from the 90s. So that, that, that was not very challenging to me, uh, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. And, and in, uh, continuing in the domino chain of copying, I felt like Valentino Mans was like a copy of a Prada and Ralph Simmons mixed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, I was like, and, and Ralph I've Simmons, seen this before. Ralph Simmons looked like Vetmore in 2016 <laughs> or 17. That it really, really did. What, what's going on over there? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But I just like, I just don't understand. I mean, the price point. Have you seen Ralph Simmons lately in stores? The price point of it? And Honestly, I, I mean, don't pay attention anymore. I Like, I hate to say it, like, Ralph was such an icon for me. But I've really just checked out. I just don't find it interesting anymore on any no. level. I mean, if I'm perfectly honest, the only collection in Paris that excited me was Loewe. That was the only mm. collection where I really felt challenged. I felt excited. I felt that it was intelligent design, that yeah. it was actually raising more questions than providing answers. And also it made you think about women and how we how we look at their bodies, what's, what sexy actually is. It sort of challenged a lot of stereotypes. Uh, mm-hmm. about the way women dress. And I felt that show was extremely powerful. And, and that's the kind of show I expect from Paris. But, you know, it's intelligent design. And I have the feeling yeah. that now intelligent fashion is dying. <laughs> it's like disappearing. Oh, yeah, that's. I mean, we really struggle, like, finding these people who, who are using their brains and their intelligence to do something that is smart and critical and engaging. I mean, you really struggle finding these people because it's all about entertaining us instead of making us think you know yeah well that's exactly what it was i mean most apparently in balenciaga probably right there was with the red carpet yeah i mean it doesn't yeah, get with the more. red carpet yeah. and the simpsons thing and 
And I actually thought like the women's part was pretty good, even mm -hmm. though there wasn't much new in it. I thought the men's was absolutely atrocious. <laughs> uh, but the entire spectacle around it, again, it's the spectacle that has overtaken exactly uh, the fashion. And it used to be... And listen, I love me a great spectacle. Like there is... You know, the few things I love more than a fantastic fashion show that is spectacular. But the fashion has to be there as an essential element. Yeah, of course. Of course. It can't just be like, it, you know, it can't be secondary. And that's what it has become. And at Balenciaga, it was all about that. And they're like, you know, witty, empty, iron, ironic gestures like really don't speak to me no, and I... no it's not the time for that i agree and what you're talking about is is so true and i felt you know during the first days of of paris when i saw the dior show i was like yeah it's all about the set design i mean it's 10 times more interesting and creative than, than the actual clothes <laughs> yeah. and a, a lot of times in paris you had the feeling that you could say nothing about the clothing i mean there mm -hmm. was nothing to say i reviewed a few shows and i had to talk about other things because it was very difficult yeah. to find something in the clothes that actually was new or creative you know so yeah. you're absolutely right the whole package around it the whole you know who was there uh, who attended the show uh, the set design everything uh, took prominence it, it became more important because the clothes were just so generic and boring mm -hmm. i mean look at dior look at that collection oh what's that God. like max mara from 20 years ago i mean what was yeah. that you know well, I, I wrote in my Instagram story, like I made up a fake uh, quote from um, Mar in, uh, Maria Grazia, Grazia. <laughs> uh, which actually a lot of people thought was like a direct quote. <laughs> like, I got a lot of messages like, did she really say that? And I was like, no, come on, you guys. <laughs> like, but, but what I said was like, you know, oh, we decided that this pseudo pseudo feminist narrative doesn't work. So we went back to what we do best is which is infantilizing them like, <laughs> yeah, that's good very good like that's very good. what were what were those like little baby doll school like how like how long are you going to infantilize women exactly like exactly when you say like post me too yeah 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 i mean it, yeah and i mean it, going back to the 60s as well i just didn't get it i just thought it was totally irrelevant i mean to be honest i don't even remember like half of the silhouettes there because it's just so it's clothes that you can find everywhere i mean zara's gonna be zara's gonna be delighted because they can copy that stuff straight away you <laughs> yeah. know they can ship they can ship it next week already because there's nothing yeah. there's nothing complicated about the shapes or the colors or you know exactly. it's just ready to ready to be copied by by the mass market i mean mm -hmm. i don't know i just feel it's uh completely redundant and unnecessary and it also makes me angry when i see that that much money is spent on a show with no statement no ideas nothing to say i find it obscene you know and that's the yeah. thing i felt as well i was like are we going to keep on doing this is it business as usual we're going to keep throwing yeah. all this money away with absolutely nothing to say and, and actually saying it you know so mm -hmm. I, I don't know that also felt very strange for me yeah 
Yeah, but then like, uh, but then the next day we're all gonna scream about sustainability and and yeah, you know, which is what's that? I mean, you know, I have discussions about sustainability with a lot of designers, and from the moment you start to create something, you create waste as well. So waste <laughs> goes hand in hand with creation, and when it comes to the luxury segment, I don't think you know being sustainable is ever going to work. Um, of course not. No, of course not. And, and you know, this whole kind of conversation, it's like feminism and, and Maya Grazia. It's, it's, it's a fake conversation. There's, there's no, you know, at the end of the day, we know what the conglomerates want. They want yeah. to make clothes that are as cheap as possible with, uh, you know, a massive markup and sell them to people using influencer clones, you know, and that's what they've been doing. And they do that really well. And it works, yeah. you know. So, yeah, uh, exactly. I, I yeah. feel even like Dior is even so much. It's almost post fashion. It's almost like it doesn't matter what we're going to put on the runway because we're just going to sell, you know, cosmetics and fragrances and sunglasses. But they sell everything because, you know, when you have thousands of influencers brainwashing your brand to yeah. an audience every single day, you're going to end up selling stuff, you know, because yeah. it's, it's complete manipulation and it's brainwashing yeah. and that's how, that's how they do it. Yeah. yeah. And th to me, on that note, to me, the most embarrassing thing about this fashion week wasn't even like the lack of ideas uh, from the brands, but this continuation of this absolutely like adulating coverage from the mainstream fashion media Mm -hmm. Again, everything was amazing. Again, everything was wow and incredible. And it's just so dispiriting. Yeah, to as I told you, it was bullshit. business business as usual. Business like, you know, as usual. Like nothing changed. I mean, millions of people died, you know, during this pandemic and they're still dying. And nobody seems to be questioning what fashion should be or how it should change. And also the whole purpose of doing a fashion show. Like, is it is it relevant, you know, if you don't have anything that's a little bit smart to say i mean i don't know i'm just i'd rather not see shows to be honest you know if you're mm -hmm. going to put on a show do something that that really makes a statement you know do something powerful do something yeah. that that provokes emotions but don't use it as a just a, a cynical marketing marketing tool you know and mm -hmm. it's kind of i don't know i'm sort of like a bit disillusioned with that because i feel that we have seen the best shows before, you know, and yeah. we got to see the best shows like 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, mm -hmm. and we have a certain expectation and we would like fashion to be on a certain level. You know, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I it was just, I mean, I, obviously I was not surprised, but I keep hoping that someone from the mainstream media will finally like put their foot down and say like you know what i this is indefensible at this point you know yeah. instead we get alex fury who used to be like such an incredible critic whom i have a lot of respect for like just like going gaga over this Findachi bullshit I just couldn't believe it. And I, I don't know what it is. 
well, I know what it is. It's being too close to the theater, what I say. <laughs> yeah, and it's also absorbing criticism, you know, and that's that's also what capitalism does anyway. It sort yeah. of absorbs opponents and, and mm -hmm. criticism into the mainstream. So it sort of glorifies uh critics like him so that they end up becoming part of the part of the whole machine you know i mean yeah, it's yeah. it's very hard to stay on the margins of, yeah, of things yeah. at the end of the day yeah, yeah. i agree and i mean we've seen it before you know with sarah Mauer and susan Mankus, etc and like it's it's really disheartening to see such a keen um knowledgeable critic to just go that route um but okay, I mean, it is what it is. It's just, it's sad because again, at the end of the day, like we've said before, uh, if fashion does not produce things that are incredible and worthwhile and worth thinking about, mm -hmm. then people will eventually lose interest in the entire industry. Yeah. You know, and I'm already gravitating myself and like as, as much as, I can't imagine myself doing anything else, you know, that other than working in fashion because I love it so much. I find myself gravitating to some brands that exist outside of the fashion system. Yeah, you know, that I mean, still I, I, do yeah. like excellent design or tell their or just do the just do their thing. I mean, I, I will tell you when it comes to corporate fashion, I think the only designer I truly respect and i think he's extremely intelligent and creative is jonathan anderson you know i really believe yeah. that jonathan anderson uh has found a way a, a true balance between commerce and creativity mm -hmm. and i think he he still you know he still delivers fashion that is educated that is discerning yeah. that is interesting that has quality craft all these things matter to him but he's still embracing the future and that's why i felt mm -hmm. with loeve this season it was very much forward thinking there was nothing retro about it and that's what yeah. i liked that's what i liked about it so but he's the only one that you know i I respect that way. And I wish, I wish he was at Vuitton. You know, I right. wish he did the woman's wear because I think he would do a much better job than what Nicolas is doing. I mean, yeah, this, uh, that show, what a mess. Who cares? I mean, it's just yeah. a styling exercise. It's totally irrelevant. Most of his clothes will never even be produced. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just a joke. The whole thing is a joke. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It took me took me a while to come around to JWA, like, but he's really grown on me. Uh, and I and I agree. I think like there is an intelligence there, and there mm -hmm. is a wit, and there is a warmth, and that's yeah. what I like about that. And yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, I really. But actually, I like him at Loewe. Maybe you know, maybe that's where he needs to be, sort of uncorrupted. Maybe it's like enough of a level for him to be still like comfortable and prominent, but maybe the pressures are not as incredible as they are, you know, people who designed for like Chanel or Dior. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I mean, I do. Yeah. I do love what he's doing at Laueve. I and what, did you, what did you think about Rick this season? How did you feel about the show? Um, I liked it. I liked it better than the men's. I really mm -hmm. did. And even though, you know, there were a couple of ideas, of course, that like were continuing to be rehashed. 
Uh, I hope it's the last season for the platform boots because <laughs> yes. I, because I think they have sort of uh, um, run their course. Ending, yeah. yeah, they had their uh, ending sort of the, they're at the end of this cycle. And I think I, I love them. Uh, I think it's great that they had the run, but maybe it's time to retire them. Maybe I hope this was sort of the last season. Um of them but we'll see i there there was more structure than i saw in men's Mm -hmm. uh and that's what i that's what i liked about it but i do think rick is sort of at an or i hope it's at an end of the cycle Mm -hmm. and I'm, i'm curious and i hope there will be forward motion it's almost like that. he's having a, a bit of a maximal kind of glam phase, you know, mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. because I felt like a lot of things in the show were very intricate. There was a lot of embellishment, like a lot of details. Yeah. It was very rich. And yeah. in a way, I, I enjoy that because it has a lot of vitality and energy. But mm-hmm. I would also like to see something a bit more pared down, a bit more controlled from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could also be interesting. But I felt there was a richness in the show, which was exciting. And yeah, yeah. a lot of new techniques and developments, which, you know, he always... Because he does a lot of research and you see that yeah. also on the runway. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Was, and nice. what I do, what I continue to love, and I think what we both love and everyone who has brain cells, you know, who's interested in fashion, is that he, it's so uniquely his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. There are very yeah. few, there are very few voices like that left where where you like you look at it and you're like yeah this is rick you know it's so unique yeah he's he's probably the last modernist like i don't know who will be after him who will challenge people Mm -hmm. uh who will make them think about clothes and at the same time like it's it's amazing how rick rick collins is a brand has continued to be so commercially successful and like embraced by pop culture and like embraced by the hip hop community, right? Mm-hmm. Embraced by high beasts, but also making the, these really intricate, um, challenging, difficult clothes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's genius at the end of the day because, you know, if you create a structure, that commercially gives you enough freedom to do that kind of research, then then you've made it, you know, it's mm-hmm. really, uh, and you don't need to compromise when it comes to uh, your true statements or what you want to say, you know, it's, yeah. uh, and in a way it's, it's quite similar to, uh, to Comme des Garçons, but at the same time, if you go to a Comme des Garçons store, you're hardly going to see any of those runway pieces. So yeah. it's, um, Exactly. But, but I feel that, you know, there are similarities between these two, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the way they approach fashion and in the way they sort of manage to reconcile commercialism with avant-garde, you know, and this idea yeah. of extreme creativity and something very personal. Yeah. Exactly. And to me, what I love about Rick, like even I think much more than Calm, he has injected a lot of subversion into the mm-hmm. mainstream. Definitely. And uh, I mean, I just love 
I don't know if you followed that whole like debacle uh, around the release of the first Converse collaboration. No, I didn't follow uh, that. Though. Oh, it was amazing. So uh, he first collaboration with Converse. Mm-hmm. First of all, I mean, he made like pretty challenging silhouettes and they've been flying off the shelves. And that to me is that like injecting this dose of like craziness, craziness into the mainstream. But for all the visuals, all the visuals, like he made a human pentagram mm-hmm. and he wrote about pentagram. And I love that like Converse executives were like, yeah, that will fly. And and after they posted it, like all these uh, religious nuts came out of the woodwork oh my and God. just like spammed Converse's oh, Instagram. So like just saying like, how would you do this? I'm a religious person. They took the entire thing down, of course. Uh, but... To me, I was like, this is genius. Like, who else could have, like, snuck that into the mainstream and <laughs> convinced, convinced executives at Nike, which is Converse is owned by Nike, <laughs> that, like, oh, yeah, like, that, this will be great. And, I mean, really, really props <laughs> to Rick Food. You know, that's, that's exactly what I mean about intelligent fashion and intelligent design. I mean, it comes from people who have a level of subversion, a level of irony. Uh, They have a cheekiness to them. They have that kind of, you know, that kind of intelligence that is witty, that is, you know, something that uh, that you don't expect. And and they like to challenge things. They like to push, to push things, you know. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think Karl Lagerfeld also did that at Chanel. He, He pushed a lot of things and he really, he did things at times that were very borderline, you know, and he also mm-hmm. had a mind of his own and he had strong opinions about everything. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm missing in fashion now. I'm missing, oh, yeah. you know, I'm missing yeah. people with very strong, clear cut personalities. Mm-hmm. And, and now everybody's afraid of having opinions. Yeah. Everybody's afraid of pissing everybody off. So at the end Ooh. of the day, we end up with something that is mediocre, you know, and mm-hmm. generic. That's yeah. Well, you touched something there that I I think because it's because of our current uh, c- cultural climate of you know political correctness, fascism yeah. that breeds these mediocrities. Because now you have to cater to everyone. God forbid you offend anyone, you know, and then you get canceled. And this is the culture we end up with, the culture in which there are no opinions. And we see that everywhere. I mean, you saw how, what is it, about five years ago, like slowly all these larger than live editors in the glossy media, they have been replaced by functionaries. Yeah. You know, the, the great and Carters of this world, which not that I have much love for him, but he was a larger than life personality. Mm-hmm. You know, and those personalities were uh, fascinating to follow, and Lagerfeld was that in fashion, of course. Yeah, uh, you know, Galliano, McQueen—they were that in fa- in fashion. Remember McQueen telling Charlie Rose, "Just like I don't give a shit what people think. Yeah. Like I'm not, not like I'm not good at 
following instructions and they've replaced them with these functionaries who are very good at following instructions, uh, very good at schmoozing, you know, very good at, uh, and that's all it's about. It's all about schmoozing. You know, it's yeah, and pleasing in club. and pleasing as many people as possible, and you know, finding the lowest common denominator at all times, and basically just down, down, you know, downgrading your quality. I mean, it's just kind of you know, it it's anything but sophisticated. It doesn't need to mm -hmm. be sophisticated anymore. It needs yeah. to be direct. It needs to be efficient. It needs to sell. It needs to be as simple as possible. And mm -hmm. uh, and that's it. And that's the kind of fashion we're getting yeah. now. That's what fashion has become. You know. Yeah. So. God, God forbid it's challenging. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. This but is, that's this is the last thing we want. No, because it, it, it the kind of there's no room for that uh, in this Instagram culture. You know, things mm -hmm. have to be processed, understood, and digested instantly. Otherwise, it's no good. You know, because you're yeah. already scrolling down and moving on to the next thing. So nobody takes the time to actually reflect on what they're looking at. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do find younger people here and there who are turning against that mm -hmm. and so that's my hope that people like that will end up in positions of influence who will say you know what enough because uh, yeah. because these people exist uh, and there are more than few of them they're just not as vocal on the internet so you don't really hear their voices all that much but they exist and sort of like, that's my hope. Okay. Someone, you know, someone will, uh, I hope that someone will come around and do something and not just put this glorified logo merch on the runway, which goes, goes back to what we just said. And we've, I mean, we've said it before. I feel like I, I sound like a broken record <laughs> by now, like, there are ways, and you know, we just said Comic Garçon and Raccoons, like shining example of that. We why not put incredible things on the runway and then have the commercial part that buttresses that. But that's exactly what I was thinking about this morning, you know, before we before we started talking, I was like, okay, so what is the point of a fashion show? What is it that I expect to see from a fashion show? You know, do I want mm -hmm. to be challenged? Do I want to see something that's extremely beautiful, disturbing, that provokes emotions, that pushes my buttons? You know, also, do I want to see something that I don't understand at all? Yes, I want that. You know, I want to be confronted with something that's alien. I, I want it to take time before I can actually appropriate it for myself. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I miss that, you know, I miss mm -hmm. this sort of aspect of fashion as being challenging, as being, you know, uh, difficult, as being sort of mm -hmm. complex and subtle and all these things. Yeah. And that's what I hope this new generation is going to bring, you know, something that is much more intricate and much more uh, complex, because I think we yeah. need that. We need that complexity again in uh, in fashion. I agree. 
for and for me the biggest problem with the current generation and and already i see it with the millennial generation is that they have no historical continuity like they have notion no notion of historical continuity and here i think well culture of course is to blame because it produces generations of teenagers who think like that they are the most important thing on earth and that nothing before them matters hmm. and there's no they have no historical continuity you know like i've said it before like when i taught at parsons they all wanted to be alexander wang now yeah. they all want to be <laughs> virgil abloh like it's it's just they're so consumed by what's around them because the culture bombards them every second of their day yeah that they don't have any kind of distance yeah exactly yeah they can't yeah exactly they can't create this philosophical distance and take a pause and say like okay let's see what was before right mm. and it's the job of fashion educators to show them what was before yeah. to to show them like what's you know that there is a history and that history is incredibly rich uh but of course, but of course, why bother when like your heroes of Virgil Abloh that's are yeah, so and I mean, easy to knock off? And I mean, Chiara Ferrani is on the cover of Italian Vogue. So if I was yeah. 50, 15 years old today and going to buy Italian Vogue, that's the kind of person mm -hmm. I would see on the cover. So, you know, it yeah. really shows you that that kind. I mean, I'm sorry, but Vogue is dead. You know, Vogue is over. I mean, yeah. they, they've been over since they put Kanye and Kim on the cover. That was the end mm -hmm. of it. You know, it was finished yeah. because when you start running after influencers and desperately trying to put them on your covers, then you're basically saying that print is that kind of print is dead, you know, mm -hmm. uh, exactly. which, do which doesn't mean at the same time that there are not great magazines, great independent magazines that are very substantial and interesting yeah. to read. But that sort of press, that mainstream fashion press is totally over. You know, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. not relevant. Uh, no. I, I agree. Uh, and that's, I think, the biggest problem is today that the, the people who are influential and, and the role models they make it seem because they produce mediocrity they make it seem like oh this is easy to replicate yeah because you know you got influencers who don't do anything in particular you know they're just sitting there looking pretty or yeah. they can put outfits together but, but that's exactly what it's about because the whole look at influencers they're like armies of clones working for brands yeah. you know that's what they are and you could literally you you would struggle sometimes uh distinguishing one from another because you look at their feed mm -hmm. on instagram and it all looks the same so you would really struggle finding some yeah. sort of individuality and and the more i see that the less i have the feeling that individuality exists and, and the question is okay mm -hmm. was individuality ever real you know or is it a fantasy yeah. something that we imagine in our heads existed but mm -hmm. it actually never existed you know it's yeah <laughs> yeah it's quite, yeah. yeah or it was like a period of individuality and now we're back to this sort of mass fitting in kind of culture um yeah that's what i i, I was listening to a podcast with um adam curtis uh the bbc documentary maker um mm -hmm. And that's what he was talking about. He said, like, maybe we have this um, period of individuality, but now we're kind of like stuffing it back 
into a box where uh, the group takes primacy over mm. the individual. Right? And we see this. Now we see that from both, it used to be all the right-wing conservatives, and now we see that both from like the right and the left. You know, yeah. the, 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 like equally insane. But again, you know, the, the message from Paris, which for me was nostalgia, because if you look at a lot of collections, yeah. they were rooted in the past. Uh, Dior was the 60s, Saint Laurent was the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were other collections that quoted the 90s, etc. It's, uh, it's a feeling that uh, also it's, it's kind of like what it's telling at the end of the day is that uh, people also realize that the fashion industry today is not as interesting as it used yeah, to be before, yeah. you know, and it's quite a sad thing to say, but mm, at the end of the yeah. day, you know, it's not as complete or complex or mm. challenging or, you know, substantial as it used to be. Yeah. And I kept kept thinking about Helmut Lang, who managed to do very minimal, simple clothes, but he really infused them with contemporary art, with, you know, so mm-hmm. many kind mm-hmm. of substantial other creative forms he managed to sort of you know give it a dimension he gave this closer a real dimension that was yeah. that was fascinating and and i'm wondering why we can't have this today any longer yeah. you know yeah well maybe it's because if you look at a wider picture i feel like our culture is by and large is kind of bankrupt there mm-hmm. really isn't you know i think the music is simplistic. The arts are simplistic. The gestures are empty. Like, especially the political gestures in art, like, they feel so empty and impotent is the word. Impotent. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, everything feels so impotent. And maybe it's because fashion really has nothing to take from culture, but like, but another collaboration with a rapper. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that the culture at large is so mediocre. Again, mediocre is the word of the decade um, that fashion has nothing to feed on. Yeah, and fashion is not allowed to borrow from other cultures because then it gets canceled. You know, yeah. and obviously you're appropriating and you're racist and because you borrow yeah. from, so you're only supposed to be talking about yourself. I mean, how boring is that? You know, it's also yeah. like, yeah. there are so many, I think fashion has never been as political as it is today, but for some strange reason, it's never been as vacant as it is today. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, you know, I have the feeling that the clothes don't, really don't have a, any kind of message whatsoever anymore, you know, they're sort of devoid, devoid of message, devoid of, but the whole context around fashion is increasingly politicized, you know, that's what is, is interesting. So the politics are not happening on the runway. They're happening everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, and it's funny how it's so embedded in everyone's consciousness now that, when I saw the Dries van Noten collection and they openly said, you know, this is inspired by the Indian festival when they throw, uh, you know, die at each other. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, wow, in 21, that's kind of ballsy to say. And I was just waiting like that. Someone is someone going to come and say, you're not allowed to do that. No. Uh, and I, I thought that I don't What did you think? I thought the results were beautiful. Yeah, I actually liked the video this time because he um, 
he did one last season which I didn't find so uh so convincing but I liked it I liked it more this time the the kind of film format and some of it but at the same time I'm missing uh, I'm missing sort of like romance Dries, you know, I'm missing Dries, mm-hmm. a kind of Dries that is more restrained with gestures mm-hmm. that are more, you know, um, not as, you know, bold, but at the same time, uh, a sense of romance and a sense of emotion. What I see coming out of his work today is something that is much louder and much mm-hmm. more, you know, um, Instant. I don't know how to explain it, but I think something has changed. It's much more. Mm. Um, it's kind of brash and and loud, and uh, I don't know. I I don't mm. find it. I have to say I, I like Anne de Meester actually because I thought it was like a reset. It was very clean, uh, black and mm. white. You know, a lot of pen suits, very beautiful tailoring, and I kind of appreciated that. It was very sort of you know very clear. And uh, the message was just very direct. And I sort of liked that about the collection. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I was actually a bit surprised that, that you liked it because uh, I hate to say it, I did not. And I, you know, coming back from Antwerp recently and being at the story opening, it was such a high moment for me and I felt so good. Mm-hmm. And I spoke with Claudia Antonioli and 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 herself, and I was maybe my expectations were too high, mm-hmm. uh, but I found the collection uh, subpar, and I was thinking why, and I know exactly what it is. It, it was missing a kind of sweeping sort of grander but Andy Milmister style you know uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought like well where are all these like floor length coats right where's the contrast between even like you know white coat with the black buttons or like the rows of buttons asymmetry was missing once again and that's something that uh, stopped under Sebastian Mignor and I thought well maybe they'll bring that back because like asymmetry is such of an essential part of the Antimilmister identity. And all they Mm -hmm. were telling me about was like, you know, DNA, 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 DNA. And I thought, great. Uh, And I saw a lot of DNA missing from that show. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found the heads to be like uh, distracting. Okay. Those those big heads in every look. Um, they did draw a lot of attention and that's not, you know, when I, when I would take my attention back to the clothes, I really didn't find, you know, there was a lot of denim, which I love. I love denim. I have nothing against it. I think it's great. But when there was so much of it, it did, you know, that's not an, and I actually would love to see them do denim the Enzimil Mister way. I think it could be really cool because they're definitely, you know, rock and roll connection there is so strong mm-hmm. and the punk connection. But, and I think the solution is clear. I think they need a designer. You know, I don't, I don't know if having a studio, I don't think it's enough and I don't think it's enough. And that's what Angela Flocavento wrote, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's not enough to have a, good stylist, you know, which they do in all of it. So that's not going to carry the brand. 
at the same time, I, I there were a lot of clothes that I saw that I would like to wear. And, you know, I mm -hmm. never used to look at Anne before because it just didn't speak to me at all. I thought it was always like depressing and dark and forced. And when Sebastian was doing it, there was a lot of darkness in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and this time what I saw was more light, you know, something that was more uplifting. Mm -hmm. It had more energy. Um, and I imagine for somebody that knows nothing about her, um, as an mm -hmm. introduction, it's it's actually quite quite good uh, into mm -hmm. our world. But I thought some of the some of the tailoring was really really beautiful. And again, you know, it it sort of it was refined, but at the same time, it had a rawness to it, um, which which I like. And I didn't mind the hats at all. I thought it was kind of okay. like yeah. I liked it as a silhouette. I mean, it was it was repetitive, but at the same time, mm -hmm. um, it sort of evoked for me uh, a slightly rebellious kind of person. You know, would mm -hmm. wear this clothes today because there was there was no sportswear as such. I mean, it right. was very yeah. very tailored, but at the same time slouchy, and it was kind of you know mm -hmm. there was this kind of nonchalance about it that I like. Mm -hmm. It was quite yeah mm -hmm. yeah I like that yeah. Well, I hope this is the beginning of something good because I, you know, I would, and, and I'm glad to hear that you liked it. Uh, and I, I really hope that the trajectory will be upwards. Yeah, we have to we'll see what's, wait and see. what's going to come. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you see all of your Tyskins? Yes, I did. And I, I loved it. And uh, Wasn't I it gorgeous? It was really, really unexpected. Yeah, it surprised me a lot. And we talked a little bit and the whole idea of patchwork, I thought was fantastic, the way yeah. he used it. And um, also seeing color from him was really exciting. Uh, mm -hmm. Bright colors, the shapes were beautiful. I love the presentation. Those mm -hmm. mannequins were stunning. Uh, yeah, he was in great, great form, Olivier. He seemed yeah. to be very, very happy, very excited. And it was also nice to see that, you know, you don't need a fashion show. I mean, you can find other ways to to show your collection, which are just as effective and interesting. And I think he did mm -hmm. that because he showcased everything at Galliera, uh, the yeah. fashion museum. And it, everybody got together and we were chatting, looking at the garments. It, it was really nice. So I, yeah. I, I definitely... Would you know? I will go back to Fashion Week if there are more presentations like his. Definitely, because mm -hmm. that's uh, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. very beautiful. Yeah. Me too. Even though I only saw it on the photos, I thought it's, they're just such gorgeous, romantic, beautiful clothes. Uh, but I had the opposite reaction of you. Probably because I wasn't there in person, and I thought, oh my god, these clothes demand to be seen in motion mm -hmm. and i wish there was a show and i wish there was a video at least that i could see because that's what i wanted i was like oh how how would they move i was i was dying to see that so hopefully maybe olivier will i should i should text him and ask him like to make a little video <laughs> but in a way you know because of the shape of the mannequins and how they were dressed it's sort of um reminded me of his very early work and there was a level of abstraction yes. Yes. and they were almost like human dolls you know and uh 
yeah, it sort of reminded me of a lot of things that he was into at the beginning, like this kind of dark eroticism and, mm-hmm. and you know, the, so the idea of the, the 19th century and all these kinds yes. of, you know. And I'd, Olivier, for me, is somebody who is uh, extremely consistent, who is a true artist. And, um, yeah. you know, whatever he does, I mean, when he was at Rochas as well, I used to sell the collection and he made some wonderful mm-hmm wonderful clothes so i really respect him for being so creative so consistent and just doing what he likes you know just doing what he believes in and uh, sticking to his guns is uh he's a great person yeah definitely i i agree an incredible talent and i know there are a lot of younger listeners to this podcast so i hope he is not well known anymore but you guys should go and see. Definitely check out what he did at the beginning because it was very extreme. Unbelievable. Yeah, but Unbelievable. for some for some reason it has aged very, very well because it was always mm-hmm. about making things that were inspired by history, but at the same time with his own singular twist. And yeah, um, yeah a, another example of subversion and intelligence, that's Olivier, you mm-hmm. know, the way he's going to twist something, he's going to, take something pretty and make it like, you know, disturbing or, I mean, he really has that. And I think that level of sophistication is something that he is never going to give up on because that's him. That's who he is, you know? Yeah, so, uh, exactly. I yeah. just, I hope he continues to create because me too. Yeah. Like I don't see these clothes in stores, you know, and I really hope, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just such a pleasant, pleasant surprise when I saw that on Vogue Runway. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Olivier, like I will always look at it. And, and I thought, oh, this is this is really, really beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. And that's exactly what was missing from the rest of collection, a kind of a sweep, a kind of a romanticism, uh, a kind of... Uh, Beauty, which I think people are embarrassed today to, to say the word beautiful. Like everything is cute, you know. Well, this yeah. is cute. That is cute, you know. And I say, yeah, no, but, let's but go cute, back to calling. Yeah. Cute is something that you're going to forget quickly, but beautiful is, is going to have an impact on you. You know, it's going to sort of uh, make a mark on your on your psyche. And I think... That, yeah, that's the difference. What Olivier does is, I would say, you know, there's a word in French, uh, which is habité. Uh, and when you talk about uh, habité is to live, uh, to live somewhere. So you can say, okay, I live in this building, j'habite, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in this, in this house or whatever. But when you talk about it for a person, so when you say that a person is habité, it means that, uh, they have a soul of their own and that mm-hmm. everything that they create, everything that they touch is infused with their own soul and their own energy and their vibration, you know? And that's exactly how I feel about Olivier. It's like Rick. You look at the yeah. clothes and the clothing is invested with his own energy and his own psyche. And it's quite amazing, you know, when you have that connection. But exactly. with Olivier, you really see this kind of this kind of link between the clothing and and his own mind and his own soul, you know, and that's really mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. I agree. And I'm assuming you did not see that in Givenchy. Well, I looked at it. <laughs> I looked at it and honestly, Eugene, I, I, I kept thinking like, what is that? I mean, what is yeah. that? What on earth is that? I just... 
what is it that you could say about it? I mean, it's just so grotesque. I just, it's like every season they're trying to get into a new direction and they're trying to mm -hmm. find some kind of, you know, resonance. But what is it all about? I, I, I don't get yeah. it. I really, I don't know. I don't know. I have to say, I looking at it the second time around and watching the video, it did grow on me a bit. But I agree that there is nothing to process there. And, no. and that's a. And I was yeah. also wondering what the relationship was with Givenchy or even Ricardo. You know, I was kind of mm. thinking, like, what is this? I mean, what what kind of context are we in? And 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 who's gonna wear these clothes as well? I kept thinking, like, this is really odd. Yeah. I just couldn't see a reality behind it, to be honest. Yeah. I saw a bit of a connection with Ricardo's work in the men's, but, mm -hmm. but not, yeah, not yeah, in the women's. Yeah, that's true. There was something in the men's. There was yeah. that, you know, bomber over a blazer, that type of a thing, and the narrow pant. Um, uh, I, I did... There are some things that stood out for me in terms of garments, but I did... And in terms of construction, too. And again, that's my strength. You know, he is mm -hmm. about product. But his weaknesses, he is not a trained fashion designer. And you can tell, you know, that maybe he's, that, that not maybe, I think he's struggling over there. Uh, I am glad he finally got rid of Lotta and mm -hmm. hired Panos Ipanis, who's one of my all-time favorite stylists. Uh, but even then, yeah, there is work to be done. There is definitely work to be done because it was very, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, first of all, I mean, I didn't find all these kind of historical touches and these wings to, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know if it was Elizabethan costumes or things like that, or this kind of, you know, English history. I just didn't understand what it, what it did there. Um, and it felt very gimmicky to me and it didn't really feel like, you know, what a luxury client wants to wear. I mean, mm -hmm. as far as the women's wear is concerned, it just felt a little bit ridiculous um, yeah. and not not empowering. I didn't feel these clothes were empowering in any way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and for me, there's no identity, but, you know, it already got got bad when Ricardo left and Claire took over, that was yeah. already quite bad. And yeah. I have the feeling that nobody really knows what Givenchy is now, what it Where stands for, it. you know? It's highly confusing. And I don't know mm -hmm. if Matthew's going to manage to put meaning back yeah. into the brand, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a soft spot for him, as you know, and like I, I do root for him. I do think like what he did with Elik sort of bringing menswear back uh, to like, let's make it about product. Let's make it about product design. Mm -hmm. Let's make it about construction and detail and material. And there is a part of me that loves that, you know, like the part of me is about ideas, but then the part of me is also about product. And that's where uh, sort of my like, big picture and the small picture sort of collide and mm -hmm. so like i like both and i love when there is a brand like hike that combines both yeah uh, successfully and i feel like he hasn't managed that yet uh no and there she... must be there must be a lot of commercial pressures as well to come up with you know I'm like sure. a, 
it bag or sneaker or mm -hmm. whatever or sportswear. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You know what surprised me? I was thinking about it this morning and I thought, oh, one thing that surprised me that hasn't happened yet was like a there hasn't been a wave of collaborations of, you know, there's no like Givenchy, Nike, Givenchy, Adidas, no Givenchy, Travis Scott or Playboy cars. Maybe it's all coming, but I thought, oh, well, actually, you know, let's say compared to Kim Jones and Dior, it's like, oh, well, yeah, there, but there's I, at least that. <laughs> I think with Fendace, we have enough to be able to digest over the, the next few months because this Fendace thing is just so going so far that uh, <laughs> it's I just don't know I just don't know what you know how much more emptiness we can take I mean this was really for me yeah it was such an obscenely vacant statement about the industry it, today yeah. and I just kept thinking well if everybody collaborates with everybody else we might as well just you know just end yeah. it you know what's it the should point? just go to streetwear it should just be product drops like you yeah. don't even need shows around just just no you don't need designers drops. you don't need identity you don't need storytelling you know you can just shove logos everywhere and that's it let's just yeah. end it you know and, uh, yeah. and that's but, cool but for them that is the story and that's like the only story that's left like yeah which is really this. which is really sad because you would think my god like do they do they have nothing to tell anymore? Is that it? You yeah. know, have we come to yeah. the end of the story? I don't think they do. I, I really don't think they do. And like I, we've said at the beginning, it's all about people's attention. We are mm. in the attention economy. You know, it's all about creating media moments that yeah. will put your brand. Yeah, in front and that's of how ice. that's exactly how I feel about Prada because doing two shows simultaneously was the whole thing that people were talking about, but hardly anybody talked about the clothes, you know? People were just exactly. talking. Yeah, people were just talking about two shows uh put together at the same time. But when you look at the clothing, I mean I I really struggle finding her in any of the pieces. I don't mm -hmm. know where she's, you know, and for me, she's just given up, you know, she's like, okay, yeah. like whatever, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I'll just let somebody else run the, run the show. You know, I don't mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's kind of slow retirement. I think, yeah. you know, I think that's what it is. Yeah. And then the pictures, the side by side pictures, I was like, why? Yeah, and, did, and did you see in the end how he pushes her backstage? That's quite funny. <laughs> no, I yeah, did not see that. no, that's funny because that's like you know, in terms of body language, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's quite revealing. But I don't know. I'm just you know, that's uh, for me. That's um, I feel mm -hmm. very sad about what Prada has become today. That really, for me, that was an intelligent brand. That was a yes. brand that really played with values, played with uh, connotations, stereotypes. She really always worked through the things she couldn't stand. She did something challenging. And now, you know, look at what it's been reduced to. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. yeah. I, I was I was quite shocked to read her say to Vogue that elegance is such an outdated word. <laughs> Coming from her, it's quite funny. Coming yeah. from Prada, I like, really? So... Uh, I don't know what people equate elegance with today. I mean, yeah, if you equate elegance with like Oscar de la Renta or Carolina Herrera ball gowns, sure. But I don't think, I think we've put 
nail in that coffin a long time ago. That's not what elegance means to me today. No. Uh, but, you know, I, I went to, I was on holiday in the south of France in August, and I went to the Prada store, and I know I know some of the managers there, and they said that they lost their whole clientele, and that now they have wow. young young uh, guys and girls that come to buy sneakers and big triangle mm-hmm. logos, mm-hmm. and that's the new client. But, yeah. The f- yeah, the older clients are gone. They just don't want to buy it. Yeah. There's nothing... There's nothing in there for them, you know. So that's the intention. It's quite clear, you know. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Which I find kind of astounding how everyone rushed headlong into this idea that the new luxury clientele is that 20-something high beast. Hmm. Uh, by and large, those are not the people with money. They don't have, yeah, they have money for $500 pair of sneakers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they don't have yeah. money for a $4,000 code. Like, that's not your market. No, You're that's not what they sell. buy. That's not what they buy. And, you know, now when you go to a Prada store, I don't know what it's like in New York, but there's nothing available either. You have to order yeah. things. You have to pre-order. You have to track that code, you know, from another store somewhere. So Mm -hmm. they don't actually produce anymore. You know, they produce bags and shoes. And that's what they sell. Yeah. I'm going to go today to a Prada store and take a look. Yeah, I haven't go been yeah, to a Prada that. store in like in a long time. In yeah, New you York. should. You should yeah. do that. Should but do the that. worst offender there is Balenciaga. And I, I had a big argument with my wife yesterday. <laughs> She's still mad at me. Okay. Um, uh, Balenciaga is the prime offender. You go to the Balenciaga boutique and... None of that stuff you see in the runway is there. And it's the boutique. This is the one. This is your window. This is yeah. your shop window into the brand. And you go into the Balenciaga Soho store. It's a fucking logo. It's not Logomania anymore. It's Logoria. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like diarrhea. <laughs> like, like that. Yeah, it, it's Logoria. <laughs> it's nice. not Logomania. It, it's that, that's it. That's all you get. And, and I have to say, like, I kind of, I know I shouldn't be mad at this. Because it doesn't matter that much, but it kind of does. And I kind of am. And when I see like another idiot in the street with an overpriced hoodie, like I, I, I do want to ask them what they, what they were thinking and, and what they think it all means. Because you, in essence, like you, you, you're wearing nothing. But yeah. a logo, it, like it means nothing. And there's something else I was thinking about this morning, which I haven't thought about in a long time. What this whole fucking logo, logoria, we're not mm-hmm. going to use logomania. Like, okay, logoria from now on. What this, <laughs> what this logoria does is it takes away an element of uh intrigue and fascination because everything is on the surface because i would come up to someone in the street and people come up to me in the street all the time and say what are you wearing where did you get that who's this by the fucking thing is on the surface like there is no it's not even a topic for of a conversation anymore no, but I think, you know, 20 years ago, we had Logomania. I mean, when Marc Jacobs was hired at Vuitton, he's really the one that pushed that, you know, yeah. by starting using the monogram again and and having people like Steven Sprouse come in and, and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, 
20 years ago, I remember Jeremy Scott also doing his own logo. There was a sense of irony also mm -hmm. behind this. You know, people were commenting on the logo as being something, something funny, you know, and something yeah. amusing. Exactly. But now it's not. It's just really serious. No, and that's, you no. know, it's a big validation. It's a big statement. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I remember yeah. Yoji Yamamoto did it one season when he created his own monogram and <laughs> yeah. that was yeah, and that that was hilarious and I wondered if that's what I saw in Noir by Kane Amir because there was a lot of logo for the mm -hmm. first time ever and it was like a whole but he made it very couture in the way he makes but just just the fabrics were this like you know logo 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 kind of thing but he made couture things out of it and i should ask him and i think that was that ironic you know because there were like yeah. bicycle shorts in there with yeah. like logos all over yeah but if you remember like last year when unia uh did the blondie show they also had all these traps mm -hmm. with bags attached to them and they were sort of like walking around with this sort of you know um bags on display and it seemed as if you know they were kind of like uh irrelevant to the clothes and yeah. i kept and i kept thinking that he was making a statement about how oh yeah you know the the clothing is the accessory of the accessories mm -hmm. you know that's exactly. what it is exactly. and the show belongs to the bags now it doesn't belong to the clothes anymore yeah, yeah. and i really felt that this is what he was trying to trying to say you know is in I his agree. own way there's there's a lot of dry wit in junior watanabe i think people yeah. people don't see it often but yeah, there, there is, is definitely there is. a wink there that yeah. you just gotta look closer exactly um Exactly. Even with this season that's now in stores, this whole, you know, like take arena rock t-shirts and like cut them up and make them in these like sort of couture tops. It's yeah. a kind of this statement on this ridiculous trend of, you know, I'm wearing a band t-shirt of a band I've never which is Which to. is so 20 years ago. I mean, think about it. People <laughs> wearing like, you know... Uh, Metallica t-shirts yeah. and like this it's it's like back to 20 years you know it's like we're never yeah, gonna get yeah. out of of those cycles again you know it's yeah. really yeah uh, remember yeah. that there was one there was the the Ramones t-shirts were all over the urban outfitters yeah it's yeah it's <laughs> kind of you know. and then all these like teenagers buying them and like no yeah. we just I think we're just waiting for the next uh messiah to come along you know and to um yeah. shake everything off yeah that would be nice yeah, I hope so. Uh, any other shows that stood out for you? Can you can you even make a list of top five? <laughs> can can we get to five? I, I no, I don't think I'm gonna get five. <laughs> I have to say one show that I liked, and you probably won't like it, but I liked it because of the spirit of it was Lanvin. Uh, okay. And also because I, I got to interview, look, to be honest, Ooh, I, I got but. to interview the designer recently and I thought he was very honest and quite direct, but I like Lanvin because it sort of uh, reminded me a lot of Albert Abbas and obviously there was okay. this homage show sure. uh, for him. So there was a generosity in that collection. There was something that felt very French to me and it was a beat and it was fun, but at the same time, I didn't find it vulgar. Mm -hmm. uh, like in Milan. So I sort of like the spirit of it and I like the joyfulness of it. Uh, but at the same time, it felt very, very refreshing. And, you know, it was fun, but at the same time, not uh, not obvious. 
And uh, right. I also think he's a very good designer, but I think he needs a bit more time to uh, to show what he's capable of. And he worked alongside Jonathan Anderson at Loewe. And I think okay. at the beginning, it was difficult for him to... Um, to to sort of find his own voice but i think slowly is like yeah building building a world of his own and i like mm -hmm. him also as a person and what he stands for yeah so oh, that's uh, good to hear i'm going to take a look because honestly like lan van so fell off the map for me mm -hmm. after these horrible <laughs> years yeah after... there were also a lot of problems with the brand and uh, you know uh people getting involved that shouldn't have been there but uh, yeah, yeah i feel like oh. now it's finding its feet again so um, i ho no. i hope they turn it around um did you see courage no i didn't and to be honest yeah. i that's again a brand <laughs> you're not where i'm thinking like how many times are they going to resuscitate this brand i mean yeah. are they doing it because there's perfumes involved or uh, what's the story mm -hmm. because Come on, I mean a PVC jacket and a mini skirt and black and white, whatever. I mean, who cares, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel yeah. that courage is is every every decade there's somebody trying to revive it and it <laughs> fails. It's like Paco Rabanne, you know, like what happened yeah. to Paco Rabanne, by the way? Like it was like you know the hottest ticket for Vogue Runway, and now what's going yeah. on with it? You know, so uh, yeah, yeah. I don't get yeah. these brands. I think they should just stop. You know, they should just stop yeah. and yeah. Uh, uh, leave some room for new talents instead of always trying to resuscitate like all those brands you know it's uh it's draining yeah true oh there's something just slipped my mind that i wanted to ask you uh what did you think of yoji i mean yoji is yoji so <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> which yeah. was kind of refreshing for me this time around yeah because there was an elegance, a modern elegance too. That's exactly mm -hmm. what I mean. Like there's a modern elegance, you know, it's not about a ball gown with crystals on, it. you know, it's no. a modern kind of an elegance that's in the shape, in the cut, in the texture, in the thought that's yeah. put into the clothes. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Again, it's uh, that's what I call intelligent design. You know, I mean, yeah. it's something that's been thought through. Uh, there are a lot of you know ideas, but also there's a there's a way to do things which is uh, which is delicate. You know, and that's yeah, uh, yeah. and that's uh, yeah, that's nice. That, uh, that I, I love that. what uh, Godfrey Dini wrote. I don't know where he wrote it. Maybe on his Instagram. But just I got someone sent me a screenshot. He said, "If only like Raph Simons, Virgil Lablo, Nicolas Gasquier, and uh, Kim Jones, like just stopped going to each other's shows and like praising <laughs> each other, and went to see Yoji instead and look at some real fashion, like we'd live in a much better world." Yeah, but yeah, but it's uh, yeah, it's really true. Just, I mean, it's yeah, it's true. It's true. I'm really just so sick of the circle jerk. Of yeah, yeah. I don't know if I could come up with five as well. That would be hard. Uh, and I mean, I don't know if it's a transitional season that way. And you know, if uh, next season it's going to be much more kind of outspoken, or we're going to see stronger mm -hmm. statements. But honestly, I, I left Paris feeling uh really tired this time and and not very inspired by what i had seen um yeah. which was strange but uh mm -hmm. yeah 
I mean, I, yeah, there are a lot of disappointments. Yeah, a lot of disappointments. Disappointments, or just just nothing that really provokes any strong reactions. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and a lot of it was like business as usual, business yeah. as usual, yeah. and yeah, nothing to talk about. Nothing yeah. surprising. Although, we did talk for an hour and twenty five minutes. Yeah, so. we did. So we pre- <laughs> we we're good at at bringing meaning back into the void. That's what we do. Yeah, I, it's <laughs> so sorely missing, and I get so much great feedback about these podcasts that you and I do. And I that's nice. So and I get so much great feedback about like my God, at least someone is taking an intelligent, uh, critical approach to this. So we got to keep this going because I really, uh, there is an audience for it and there is a hunger for it. Mm -hmm. And people are not that stupid. No, they're not. They're not. They're not, but at the same time, they're not represented either in fashion today. You know, these people struggle to find room for themselves, you know, so that's also, Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I do hope that the next season will be better than this. I mean, fall, winter does tend to be better in, in general. More substantial. Spring, summer. Yeah. So hopefully, um, and I hope to see you in person. I'm really Definitely. geared. Yeah, I really hope uh, I will you have come to come in January. Back. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure I will come in January. I really hope all the Japanese designers will come back in January. Yeah. Because this is one huge part that was missing for me and it was the main reason for me not going because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, i thought like okay half of the people i uh go to shows so they're not they're not showing so i really hope they will come back in january because that is sort of like one country that is like the standard bear for beautiful intelligent fashion you know True. like i would love to see the entire come the garçon family come back i would love to see unreal age come back to paris yeah. and show because that's another brand that nearly doesn't get talked about nearly enough that's as true. it should be that's true and uh i really hope it will enrich this season it can only get better eugene <laughs> that's that's one thing about like we've hit the rock bottom it can only go up from this <laughs> yeah all right thank you philippe i really yeah, appreciate you. you taking the time all right Take have a care. great weekend all right talk you to too. you later see you later ciao 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 you've been listening to the styles i guess podcast hosted by eugene rapkin produced by patrick leduc Intro and outro music by Wesley Isolt of Cold Cave. Please support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Thank you for listening.